Welcome to Truth Unbound, and I am your host once again, Walter Swain, and I'm thrilled that you're here with me. Now, let me ask you a question. What is one thing that you can remember that you were convinced, absolutely convinced was true, only to find out later it wasn't? Well, um, put that in the reply or comment section of this podcast, but we asked that question as a lead-in into a new study that just came out on top of one that was done earlier, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But there is a crisis of belief, and specifically of belief in Jesus Christ and in Christianity in the U.S., and not only in the U.S., but we're latecomers in a trend that's been going on in the rest of the world for a while, and I'll mention that in a little bit, okay? So let's get to this. And let's find out what is our response in God's word to such a dilemma. All right, let's jump into it right now. Hey, thanks again for joining me here. This is a shameless plug uh, for <laughs> for the uh, for Truth Unbound itself, and I'm so glad that you're always participating in this, that you're spreading the word. And if you want to continue to receiving the latest from Truth Unbound and the things and the issues that we talk about uh, from a biblical worldview, then would you do this? Would you click on like? And then hit all notifications if you're on YouTube with that. And follow, click to follow the podcast. And then share it with everyone you can. And then we'll get the word out and the Truth Unbound family will continue to grow. So share it. Now, let's get right back into our theme for today. Okay, so as we said before, there is a crisis of belief, specifically in Christianity. Um, there are two studies, though, that have gotten a lot of attention and commentary, and we're doing the same. One was earlier this year, and one was later. Now, the first one came out in March, uh, and here's a picture of it, uh, of the article itself, where it can be found. It can be found in numerous locations. And this is from the American Enterprise Institute, this first study. Now, the American Enterprise Institute, and I quote... Uh, this is a study by the prestigious American Enterprise Institute called Generation Z and the Future of Faith in America. Okay, released in March, uh, March, 24, uh, March 24th of 2022. It shows a steady erosion of religious affiliation and the corresponding rise of atheism and agnosticism in the United States. It says that Generation Z, those born from 1997 to 2012, is the least religious group age group in our history, with 34% reporting that they aren't affiliated with a church, a synagogue, or another religious body. That's nine points higher than for Generation X and five points higher than even millennials. Now, not only does it describe how religious affiliation in general is declining, but that atheism and agnosticism are also supposedly growing. 18% for Gen Z, the highest in our history, compared to 4% for the silent generation, which goes all the way back to the boomers' parents or the post-World War II generation born between 1928 and 1945. Now, 
There's been some uh, further analysis that was done, uh, especially by the Wall Street Journal, uh, or a piece written for the Wall Street Journal, that there are some holes in the study itself, not stating, trying to say that it is, um, that the study itself is untrue, uh, but that it may not be as accurate as it could be. All right. And so the Wall Street Journal opinion piece, uh, which was uh, by Byron Johnson and Jeff Levin, uh, and it was in July 28th here, just this past summer, just uh, two, three months back here. Uh, they said reports of religion's decline in America have been exaggerated. Um, it also says here, these conclusions are based on analyses that are so flawed as to be close to worthless. In a new study with our colleagues, Matt Bradshaw and Rodney Stark, we seek to set the record straight. Uh, it says data from five recent U.S. population surveys point to the vibrancy ubiquitous ubiquity <laughs> and growth of religion in the U.S. Americans are becoming more religious and religious institutes are, institutions are thriving, consistent with some previous studies, but contrary to widely held assumptions, many people who report no religious affiliation and even many self-identified atheists and agnostics exhibit substantial levels of religious practice and belief. Now, they say here the religious ex uh, landscape in the U.S. is changing, but not in the ways that draw headlines. Hundreds of new denominations have quietly appeared, as have thousands of church plants and numerous uh, new congregations and numerous non-Christian religious imports. These more than make up for losses from mainline Protestant denominations, which are indeed in free fall and have been for decades. But the decline of established institutions is easier to track than the formation and growth of new ones. Adherents of these new denominations and congregations might be classified as others, along with members of the burgeoning Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist communities throughout the U.S., and the Baal Chuva movement among young formerly secular Jews turning to Orthodox observance. And please forgive me if I pronounce that really badly. I'm pretty sure I did. It says, but large databases on American religion often lump others in with the nuns. Respondents who don't see their faith or denomination listed check off the only remaining option— None of the above. The error extends to the counting of religious institutions. The U.S. Religious Census, organized by the Association of T Statisticians of American Religious Bodies, tracks the number of congregations and congregants at the country le county level, but recent research in three U.S. counties confirms that it has missed between 26 and 40 percent of their congregations. Their overall point is this is that they're not denying that Christianity, especially in mainline denominations, is they're not denying that all those are declining. What they're uh, denying is that the those that classify themselves as nuns with no religious affiliation are not necessarily irreligious. In other words, not religious at all. And so that's the factor that that is they're adding in to understand when you look at that study. Now, Al Mohler in addition, also made this observation. In Al Mohler's August podcast, he's basically saying, not so fast there, Buckaroo, with these studies as well. It's more complex than that. He says, looking over the AEI study and several others, such as Gallup and other organizations combined, uh, who've done all this same type of analysis of religion or its decline in America, um, this is what Al Mohler says about it. Okay, so we're going right here to fill the screen with Al Mohler's The Briefing. That's his podcast, and this is, this is the transcript from his website, Wednesday, August 10th, which is just a month or so ago. 
uh, here in 2022. And uh, the title is, Are Americans Abandoning Religious Belief? Rethinking the Research on the Rise of Religious Nuns, It's More Complex Than You Think. And we'll emphasize just this statement here. Uh, We'll include the uh, link uh, to this in the description of the podcast. He says, Now the big story in the beginning of this movement, when people began to recognize the nuns were a newly emerging force, numerically significant in the United States. So much so that it was estimated that, say, one out of five Americans identified, at least in some surveys, as having no religious identity or religious identification. The indications were that this number went far higher along with the ratio as you look to younger Americans age 30 and under. Now, you don't just have to look at this kind of statistical study to understand there really is something going on here. But there also has been a turn in the argument, and the reason for that is this. It turns out that people who check none aren't exactly disbelievers. They don't want to identify with any as, say, the brand names they have known in terms of their religious background. Uh, Moeller continues, they say they have no religious identity, but when religious researchers look at what they actually believe, what they believe isn't irreligious. In many ways, it's very religious. Sometimes it's an alternative religion. Sometimes it's a do-it-yourself mash or mixture of all kinds of religious influences and symbols. But the one thing that researchers are increasingly detecting is they aren't secularist, not in the pure sense There has been no radical rise, and in some surveys, not much of a rise at all in those who identify as atheist or agnostic. These people aren't saying we're unbelievers. They're just saying we don't want to associate ourselves with any particular religious tradition, any, any one of the brand names. Now, this leads to some huge questions for Christians in the United States, for Christian institutions, Christian churches, because looking at this from a gospel perspective, we can't reduce everything to statistics. And he's correct in that. So nevertheless, though, it still is an indicator of something that the more recent study by the Pew Research Center just released just this last week here in September 2022. And that's the bigger news confirmed by the reputable Pew Research Center. And it tells us what our nation is likely to become in the next few decades if current trends continue concerning belief in Christianity specifically, okay? And the news is not good. For instance, here is uh, the picture, for instance, it's, it's, it came out and went viral. It's in several websites, but this one in particular is from CBS News saying Christianity in the U.S. is quickly shrinking and may no longer be the majority religion within just a few decades, research finds. That's September 14th. And then here also is the main source from the Pew Research Center saying modeling the future of religion in America. If recent trends in religious switching continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. Now, by Christian switching or uh, religious switching, what he means is people switching uh, to other beliefs instead of Christianity. Okay, so the major difference here you need to take note of, and that is as opposed to the earlier study by the American Enterprise Institute, that this isn't just about religion in general in the U.S. This is about the decline of belief in Christ and in Christianity uh, itself, specifically in the U.S. and also in other countries, as we'll see in a moment. And it continues to be happening 
and it is increasing and will increase in the future years to come according to the trends that they notice and see and have analyzed. Now here, uh, you can see in the picture of the title and the graph uh, concerning the decline, the, pre the Pew Research Center, excuse me, I'm squealing, the Pew Research Center tells us if trends continue, Christianity will be a minority religion by 2070 in the worst case, in a worst case scenario, and the most likely scenario, I think they're, in, they're really implying here. Uh, the best case scenario is we will drop at or around or below 50% uh, of the U.S. population anyway, meaning the number of those that believe in Christianity. Now, but there's something else. You can notice here in this graph that the nuns, those that are not affiliated with any other organized religious group, is on the increase. Okay, so this is telling us that the nuns will also be nearly the majority in the United States by the year 2070, the year 2070. Now, again, the nuns are those people who do not identify with or affiliate with any organized religious group. Now, this decline of Christianity in the U.S. follows behind other nations in the world as well. And this is what the Pew Research Center uh, says. Look here in this uh, clip here. These project, here's what it says. These project projections indicate the U.S. might be following the path taken over the last 50 years by many countries in Western Europe that had overwhelming Christian majorities in the middle of the 20th century and no longer do. In Great Britain, for example, nuns surpassed Christians to become the largest group in 2009, according to the British Social Attitude Survey. In the, in the Netherlands, disaffiliation accelerated in the 1970s, and 47% of adults there now say they are Christian. While the change in affiliation rates in the United States is largely due to people voluntarily leaving religion behind, switching is not the only driver of religious composition change worldwide. For example, differences in fertility rates explain most of the recent religious change in India. While migration has altered the religious composition of many European countries in the last century, forced conversions, Mass expulsions, wars, and genocides also have caused changes in religious composition throughout history. But in that increasing group of nuns in the U.S. and other parts of the world that are voluntarily leaving religion, specifically more leaving Christianity, there is a common thing that is causing this, uh, most of this, and it's called the deconstruction movement. Now, this deconversion, if you will, that's going on, or deconstruction, uh, not only is increasing in those who won't believe, but also in increasing in those who have stopped believing. Now, it has become hugely popular in podcasts, radio, TV, YouTube, websites, and blogs, uh, this deconversion movement. Now, what does deconversion mean? It simply means they're turning away from believing in God or in Jesus and Christianity to not believing at all. Now, they do this by using what is called deconstruction, which is the dismantling of each piece of Christian basic um, doctrinal Christian belief, dismantling it piece by piece in order to disprove it and no longer believe in it.
Now, many of these are folks that are simply genuinely struggling with their own faith about certain things in it and trying to figure it out. But others, many others, are using it as a tool to destroy the faith of others. Now, why is there such a crisis of belief, and specifically in Christ and Christianity? Well, one of the things is is we simply don't know what to believe. We know too much. No, I mean, literally, (laughs) we know too much. There is an information overload, and it will not stop. It's increasing. It's called, in fact, it's been named infobesity, okay? Now, the World Economic Forum tells us this. These are statistics for every day, not every month or year, but every day. And they tell us that every day, 500 million tweets are sent. 294 billion emails are sent. Four petabytes of data are created on Facebook alone. And one petabyte is 1.5 mil, is equivalent to 1.5 million CDs. And they tell us that the human brain holds up to 2.5 petabytes. So think of that. Facebook handles twice that information that's in our brain uh, and handles that in one day alone. They tell us that four terabytes of data are created from each connected car. That's one terabyte is equivalent to 1,500 CDs. They also tell us that 65 billion messages are sent daily on WhatsApp alone. And 5 billion searches are made online daily. And by 2025, it's estimated that 463 exabytes or billion gigs, gigabytes of data will be created each day globally. That's the equivalent of 212,765,957 DVDs per day. There's no wonder we can't process it all. We don't know what to believe. Secondly, we don't know who to believe. We are now in what is called a post-truth age. Now, true, that means that truth, post-truth means that truth is not based on facts and critical thinking and investigation and analysis, but only on feelings and opinion. And whoever is best at convincing others of their version of the truth being the truth for everyone to abide by, wins the day. So the race is on constantly by the news media, social media, politicians, uh, especially from the extreme left and extreme right, corporate elites and government leaders and more are all trying to race to get to the top of convincing us what is the truth, not based on what is objective data, but on what they feel and think and, uh, and have an opinion of is the truth. Now, we saw post-truth on full display like never before during the COVID years between 2020 and 2022. These things that were dismissed and canceled as conspiracy theories. And what was canceled as a conspiracy theory or theorist is now coming out as true one by one based on the data of what they were really saying. And then lastly, it's because we have this crisis of belief because we don't know how to believe. Let me give you an example. From Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, it says, And when he, meaning Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, 
and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, it, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, in verse 18, remember the man told Jesus this, and this is the key point we're making. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him, cast it out, but they could not. Now, when you look back at verses like Mark 6, 7, before Jesus sent all the disciples out on a mission, he said, and he called them, he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Then in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. So here the, the disciples were given the power by the Lord to overcome them and cast them out of people. And yet now they couldn't do it. It's because the disciples in one way or another had drifted into their own power and not drawing from divine power to do this. And so this man had gone to the Christians, representatives of Jesus, and got no help for his spiritual dilemma, neither for his possessed son, possessed by a demon, and not for his own unbelief and doubt. He sought answers from those representing Jesus, but had a big major letdown, again, disillusioned and unimpressed. And you see, now today, there are so many that are seeking truth and answers, but they come out disillusioned and reject Jesus and the gospel. And why is that? Because people bring broken, sinful souls and doubts to Christians and don't know how to believe because of the conflicting mis messages from the very Christians who represent Christ, who supposedly have the power to share a message with them that'll be life-changing forever. It's because there are so many false gospels being, uh, being peddled about by believers and Christian leaders, and they mix human man-centered ideas in with verses in the Bible and theology to make it sound right. But it isn't. 
It's false doctrine. It's heresy. So then, what are some of these false gospels and messages that mixed messages that Christians are sending out? Well, for one of them is the old earth creationism. It mixes evolutionism in with the true creation story, which means that there was death before sin. If there was death before Adam sinned, according to old earth creationism, then there's no need for a savior. But yet they say, believe in Jesus, but you don't have to believe the Bible completely as it is and what it says directly. Now, what that's confusing. Now, something else that's been going on for years, but we saw it especially after the death of George Floyd, is that critical race theory and intersectionality has been mixed in with the gospel. So that makes the gospel then just another socialistic uh, ideology, political ideology, and not the true gospel, a distinct message from God that brings hope and salvation. Then there's the miracle gospel, that Jesus will give you a thrill. He'll give you a thrilling miracle every day if you just have faith and you just do it right. Then there's the prosperity gospel. That is, Jesus is your winning lottery ticket, your heavenly slot machine. Then there's the word of faith gospel. Name it and claim it. God will give it to you. He's the heavenly candy machine. Okay? Just tell him what you want and he'll come running and give it to you. But that, the, none of those are the gospel. And no wonder there's a crisis of belief. No one knows how to believe. When the gospel is plainly stated, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 in particular, and it, it simply stated that Jesus came, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again from the dead. That's the simple, clear gospel message that never changes. So going back to Mark chapter 9, you know, Jesus asked the dad what he already knew. How long has he been doing this? He knew, but God cares. That makes him believable, real, because he is. Then Jesus told the demon, basically, go to hell, and he threw a hissy fit, the demon did, and, and then left the boy forever. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, he will remove what's wrong inside and replace it with becoming more like Jesus. You see, our point is, is that Jesus can be believed. You can know God and believe in him because he tells you clearly what to believe. The gospel, Jesus, son, the son of God died for your sin and rose again from the dead to give you life. He conquered death. That's the gospel, plain and simple. He tells you who to believe. Jesus. That's it. It's all connected and based in him alone. And then he also tells you how to believe. For instance, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I ask you, will you, if you haven't done this yet, will you turn from your sin, believe in Jesus, and believe in what he has done for you in the cross and rising from the dead, and receive him as your Lord and Savior today? All you have to do is tell him so. God, I am a sinner. I, am, I ask that you save me because you're the only answer. You're the only solution. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and my judgment. And I believe you rose again from the dead. Will you come into my life and save me completely? I'm yours. If you make that choice and you've told God that today, would you let us know by email at info at truthunbound.org. So yes, there is a crisis of belief. And so believers, 
followers of Jesus, we need to be sharing the gospel even more urgently with those around us. And not only that, but truly living out what the gospel puts in us, and that is the life of Christ. And we need to live it out genuinely, even when we make mistakes and trip up, so that people see that it's real, but that God is real by seeing what he does in our lives, and then affirming the truth that is in the Bible. So we need to be urgently doing that, believer. Will you join me in doing that? I will join you in doing the same thing here. Well, thank you again for listening. And I hope this has been not only interesting to you, but informative and that it has helped you in your faith and with your doubts. So would you just uh, click on like again and then uh, share this with everyone you can follow the podcast and we will be grateful to you for doing that. Uh, Spread the word of Truth Unbound. Better yet, through Truth Unbound, spread the word of Jesus. And remember, follow Jesus, because when you do, you'll always follow the truth.